Welcome, everyone, to the Runaways Rundown podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. This is true. The Runaways Rundown podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 107, Refraction, is sponsored by Shower Jeans. Just slide them on seconds after you finish showering to prevent your parents from snooping around your room. <laughs> Pete, we podcasted recently, although it has yet to release as of when we are uh, recording this, but we podcasted recently perhaps the darkest episode of the cinematic universe, Marvel Cinematic Universe TV or film in Punisher. We go from that darkness to this effervescent show. This is a slightly more serious episode, and I don't mean to take away from that, but once again... Not. The contrast is so wonderful, and it's great to be here in L.A., or at least TV L.A., with these runaways. Yeah, and to to get a little lightness to the dark. Uh, on that, Matt, we have also recorded, since we last spoke, our uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi review, which you can check out either via iTunes on the Pop Culture Podcast feed or uh, head to fantasticgeek.com. And we continue on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in space. Ace, Ace. So lots going on, Matt. Pete, am I allowed to listen to the, the the Last Jedi podcast if I had a carefully constructed theory that I wrote 10,000 words about and was working on a YouTube video on that the movie has now ruined and they've ruined it for me because they didn't do my theory? You may listen to it, but you need to take your uh, baggage and leave it at the door. Pete, tell us about this episode because I'm ready to run into it. 25 years ago, Janet's professor dismisses class before she meets Victor Stein, and they discuss time travel. Years later, Victor holds newborn Chase for the first time. Still later, Victor picks Chase up, trophy in hand, having missed the city lacrosse championship. Chase is upset at his father, and eventually his father reacts to his attitude with a pair of punches. In the present day, Victor receives a message from a future bearded and bespectacled Chase who says he's sorry for all of it and implores him not to pick up the Fistagons. As Alex showers, his mom snoops around the room to see if Molly said anything to him. Jeffrey informs Catherine Alex has a thing for Nico. Turns out it's the day of the Atlas Academy open house. Alex moves his laptop, which is still working its way through the encrypted file the kids stole last week. Victor hasn't showered but has solved the Nemo battery problem and informs Chase he intends to attend the open house. Chase wonders if his dad's personality change is a result of Jonah's cancer cure. Janet comes clean to Chase about her affair. Nico's father comes to say goodbye as he prepares to move out. Nico is hopeful her parents can work things out, but it's not what her father wants because he's in love with Janet Stein. At the Church of Gaborim, Leslie administers last rites to a dying patient in front of her family before Frank interrupts and revives the patient with his glowy gloves. Leslie calls it a parlor trick, but Frank counts on being labeled a healer. 
At school, Nico and Alex lament their parents coming to the open house, and she asks him how he really cracked his mother's password. Alex updates the group about the video data before Molly admits to screwing up with Catherine. The Yorkses examine Jonah's healing serum and Dale gets a drop on him, which causes him to become high and or trip. Jonah returns to the church from the construction site where a drill has been delivered to be confronted by Leslie. It may be her church, but it, it's his religion. Jonah tells her the church is in the past and she doesn't want to be around when it goes down. Pride is the only thing that matters. He tells her to bring them back together quickly because nothing's wrong. Not yet. Molly becomes the dance team manager. Carolina gives her a pep talk. The Wilders arrive to talk about Molly. Frank Dean and Vaughn explore the Gaborum storage shed, and he finds a picture of an eighth grade Leslie with Jonah in his father-in-law's desk, which triggers another flashback of stumbling upon them. At the open house, Dale crashes. Tina and Robert exchange awkward glances. Carolina hopes her dad shows up. Victor wants to mingle with the faculty. Gert has been usurped by her own followers to undermine the patriarchy. Robert tries to sell Nico on Janet while Leslie consoles Tina. She then refocuses Janet. Victor and Robert exchange an awkward hello. The Wilders share Molly's discovery with the Yorkses, whom they need to handle uh, her before Jonah finds out. Catherine has a piece of info from the Hernandez's will to protect her. Alex's decryption program continues to make slow progress. Leslie texts Jonah about her progress before Frank produces the photo, which she tells him about Jonah visiting her father and reveals his identity as the being. She's ashamed of her relationship with Jonah. Victor corners Chase's lacrosse coach and demands he apologizes to his son and reinstate him. Robert runs into Janet, who hasn't returned his calls. She was going to spend her life doing research on gravitational fields, but now she's just Janet Stein, for better or worse. He's concerned about the cycle of abuse she appears to be trapped in. Tina overheard their conversation, and Robert knows it. At Timely Coffee, Alex's computer is close to decrypting the file, and Nico presses him again about his mother's password. Molly returns home to find the Yorkses packing her stuff to ship her off to her second cousin, Graciela, in Montebella, whom she's never heard of. Gert gets involved and prevents Molly from showing her powers. Gert ultimately convinces Molly to go for now. Finally, Victor finds Chase tinkering in his lab and freaks out, eventually assaulting him with the fistigons before Janet shoots him.
Pete, this is an episode where where villainous parents seem to be a plenty. Certainly, uh, certainly an opportunity to assess or reassess their uh, their place as evil pride parents. Where shall we start? Let's begin with Victor, and obviously the end of this episode and the framing mechanism of the past, the present and the future glimpsed through chase helped to put it all in perspective. Did they lost us here, Matt with Victor Stein? To me, to to me where I think he, he becomes lost for me as a viewer is when you get that, that flashback scene of, uh, of him picking up his son after the big city championship lacrosse game. While I personally don't think a parent should use an open hand smack on a child's face, uh, particularly with full force, I think we can all agree the closed hand hit, let alone the punch, which knocks his son's head into the door. That's when you go, this is not a, a, a gray area of, oh, is he whatever? Like he, is this a spanking? No, yeah, this, this yeah, is or, or a slap. This is, yeah, it's abuse. Abuse. And we've, we've seen uh discussion of uh, bruises on Janet. Um, and what happens at the end of the episode doesn't land her on the list because she, in light of this is attempting to be faithful to her husband uh, but winds up defending her son, perhaps uh, mortally wounding uh, Victor. We just don't know yet. Where I think the writing is really smart is I didn't get the sense when he was injected with the special serum last episode, I didn't get the sense that this was a temporary high. Now that gets explained midway through this episode. Um, by by the Yorkses and their experience, uh, their experience with it, but it's kind of concurrent to this, where you see it starting to fade, but you don't completely understand that this new Victor is just a whether you want to call it high, whether it's because of medication, whatever it is, it's a temporary thing, and it's this sad slide back to the awful guy who we first met and who who we can say has been around for many years and absolutely he's the top villain in the episode and again that framing mechanism although it was a little weird to have a different actor playing him and having the janet actor playing her 25 years in the past um we get it you can't de-age uh james marsters but it stuck out for a little bit. Like, are we looking actually until he says his name is Victor Stein? Are we looking at Victor or was chase conceived by another man? (laughs) Uh, Well, Pete, I think also on the list of baddies, we have to include Robert in on it. I mean, he's ready to uh, not just to, to split the family, you know, sometimes divorces happen. And I think that that's, that is what that is. We can, we can be accepting of that as a concept. Sometimes extramarital affairs happen. Maybe we can be a little less approving, but whatever. The fact that he jumps to essentially, hey, Nico, a uh, couple of things. First of all, really looking forward to going to back to school night tonight. Also, uh, I'm moving out forever because uh, everything is over, but can't totally wait to have you over. 
grab some pizza, you know, rent a movie off iTunes. The three of us will hang out as your brand new family because I'm totally ready to move on. Congrats. You're now the uh, child of divorced parents. Deal with it. And uh, what do you want on your pizza? Not cool, Pete. Not cool. I mean, seriously, what kind of a father rents a movie off iTunes? (laughs) It's the whole idea of him being in love with Janet as being the thing that's going to pull this through and not what he's done to his daughter here. Um, I'm happily married. We don't have a a child. And uh, if we did, I think possibly the worst way if things did not work out to sell it to the child is, Hey, but I'm in love with someone else. Um, You got to put the child first and foremost. And though Tina at times is an awful person, she also seems to have a heart. Uh, So she's guilty of the same human frailty as everybody else, but she comes off incredibly sympathetic in this episode. We're used to seeing her with the nails out. Uh, Not the case here, Matt. Yeah, I think it would have been, it would have been an easier time in the script to simply say, um, she was cold. She did not give him love, physical or emotional. So he ran to the arms of a, a of a woman who also was looking for love, and therefore Tina is evil. Um, I, I like that the show is presenting a slightly more complex take. And frankly, you know, just because Tina was super busy, I don't know that that's that's not cause to drive her marriage into disrepair. Unlike say not. Victor. Um, so the fact that it's falling on Robert, I think is just a, it's a sensible way to do it. Um, Pete, let's move on. I have another villain or pair of villains possibly to discuss, but do you have any others? My question is if Leslie belongs on this list for this episode, um, the, the child's bride-ish nature of what's going on and then admitting to Frank um, her relationship with um, Jonah, thereby potentially also admitting to the um, the parentage of, at least on the father's side, of Carolina. Um, but again, that could be manipulated through the lens that we're viewing it certainly certainly victor is worse for wear when you have the picture of him with uh with young leslie there um it's it's fascinating to me how successful the show has been to pull in this number of characters and to make us to make us care about their stories even if they're not always characters that we care about Kind of the flip side to that is I've always kind of dug, dug Dale and Stacy's earthy, you know, relationship. They're on the same page. Uh, they're they're caring parents, concerned parents, and I want to put them on the list here. I know there's a variety of uh, of external reasons why it appears that they're ready to ship Molly out. Indeed, might be ready to do it to best protect her, but. I mean, I cannot imagine for an adopted child anything worse than essentially being told, hey, we are unadopting you. I 
don't put them on the list here because and the Wilders as well. Every act that they take in this episode seems to be with the intention of protecting those children rather than something more nefarious. Victor beats the crap out of his son in multiple time frames. Uh, Robert Minoru is in love. Um, these others, they seem to have mitigating circumstances for the things that they do. So I, I put neither the uh, Yorks's nor the Wilders on our list of villains for this episode. You do raise a good point that their actions are for larger reasons. So I guess uh, I don't know that I'm completely convinced, but you have me you have me leaning your way, Pete. Let's look at some theories, Matt. Let's start with young Victor and Janet. Um, why is the Janet actress ever Carradine? Um, and then you have another actor playing Victor Stein. Pete, uh, how do I put this delicately? Sometimes in Hollywood, a gentleman will feel that maybe, and ladies too, but let's talk about a particular unnamed gentleman here. Maybe you feel that you had the brightest uh, spotlight shining on you low some 20 years ago playing a beloved frosty-haired vampire of the night, and then you realize that time keeps on ticking um, and those furrows in your brow are only increasing. So what you do is, Pete, you invest. You invest on making those furrows go away and, uh, and, and making that, that youthful glow return. Um, the problem is you then look youthful, and I don't think you can undo it by too much other change because change has been made upon what the Lord gave you. So I think that's maybe perhaps what the uh, otherwise enjoyable uh, James Wesley Marsters may have done, which perhaps precluded him from appearing as young Victor Stein. What about um, time travel chase beard? What do you make of that? I like that the show again is doubling down on a tangent I personally would not have advocated for if I was in charge of the writer's room. I would have said, let's just get through this first season. Maybe we tack on a, a, a WTF kind of ending at the end of the first season. What messages from the future or, or even kind of the, a post-credits type scene where, uh, you know, where it's fully a tag scene. We've wrapped up things for this season and then the time screen comes alive. Dad, Los Angeles will be destroyed, whatever it might be. They go for it nonetheless, and clearly they're thinking more than one season, which is a good bet, certainly, when it comes to Marvel. Um, again, I wasn't completely in favor of it in the past, but I'm, I'm cool with it now. I don't expect we're getting much resolution in the next three episodes on this topic. This serum that is established that the more you pull it apart, the more healing properties it has. It causes Dale to get high and then crash pretty strongly. We've seen Victor now revert to his old self. Is this the reason that Jonah can't seem to not to return to decrepit state where he needs to consume the energy of a runaway child? Now, that's, that's an interesting take because I had just assumed 
that the the effervescent and youthful uh, Julian McMahon here was um, that the secret serum was his blood or something like that, where it really was this sense of um, him at his best. But of course, you are you are so uh, so wise to remind us that it appears to be this yearly phenomenon where he he quickly um, ages again or or or, or, or the I don't know, the extra pep in his step is taken away, whatever it might be. Um, so I think I'm on board with that theory, Pete. I really do. How about the drill that has been delivered to the school's construction site? Pete, clearly some seeding for this this quiet story going on in the background that this piece of land, there's something up with it. Again, I appreciate that we are moving both backward and forward in time in this show as the the past gets slowly revealed. Indeed, in this episode, this notion of uh, of young Leslie, we're now kind of we've moved back even further, if only by by way of a, a photograph or a narrative echo. I would bet Pete that we see drill baby drill in uh, in these next couple episodes. It'll be interesting to see, indeed, how the pacing how the pacing occurs to really to really wrap things up yet propel them to a to a future season. We've also heard Jonah talk about his teachings and uh, Leslie refer to his healing gloves in addition to the idea that he is the being. What kind of being is he? Is this broke ass Loki? <laughs> um I think that we are headed towards some sort of magic and science extraterrestrial here kind of thing. I don't think that we're going to get, you know, the Lord above who has sent angels in a, in a literal sense. Um, I think too, that then allows the gloves to be, uh, to be technology as opposed to being faith driven, which I think also kind of works out well for the shows. So that way they're not kind of reimagining god with the capital g as much as they're saying oh these people thought it was god but actually it's alien tech ah uh, we mortals we can't you know we, we can't ever see truth for what it is that kind of thing i think i think this much though i liked this version of frank dean who now is acting with a sense of purpose i just worry that he's this little wind-up toy that that jonah has wound up and said all right it's time now to demolish the church and we'll let Bozo the Clown here do it while the the real powers that be step aside. Well, there you have it with that next theory. Um, he's been given these gloves, this technology, clearly goaded or instructed to go heal people. And then it's going to be the church going down. So Jonah has positioned him for the fall you get rid of the church, you reap all the benefits, onto pride we go. Oh, uh, Leslie didn't know the whole time. She was just a, a nice prophet lady. It, it, it'll be interesting. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if that comes to pass. That certainly does seem to be the direction where things are headed a tiny bit. Um, again, not to repeat myself, but again, I, I, I like being at this point in a season where you can start to see the narrative and see the the people behind it making these decisions. What's a season one issue? What's an ongoing issue? Um, indeed, what might, what might die on the vine that occasionally happens here where you have one idea and then 
um, then who knows? Uh, I mean, for example, Pete, not to be not to be spoilery here, another show that we podcast, uh, The Punisher, the actress that plays uh, that plays Sarah Lieberman, she just signed to do another series. So I don't know what that means for the future, uh, but Micro and Sarah are getting a divorce. They just got back together. Or she'll juggle both, or bad things may happen to her in the last episode, which I have yet to see. Regardless, the point is, just sometimes the shows need to respond to things beyond their narrative. So this is where they start to figure those things out. You know, if if you sit and go, "Oh boy, we we're really keen on this actor," and I'm not, I'm not saying specifically Kip Pardue who plays Frank Dean, but oh, we are right. keen on this actor. It's not really working out. Well, we're going to kill off X. You know what? Let's kill off Y instead. Those things now are at this portion with the, these final three episodes where where they commit to some of these things. Matt, did Leslie take um, Jonah to her eighth grade dance? Oh, boy, I hope not, because, uh, yeah, we've seen some of their uh, their relations more more recently. What with the glowy bits down in the nether parts? Um, Pete, we were so concerned about this being overly creepy. I mean, not like overly, it was offending our sensibility, but we were we were concerned about this being a uh a paternal connection here back before jonah was uh was revealed to be handsome julian mcmahon mm-hmm. um now we're back in that creepy territory again of what is going on and, and it's all made possible by the fact that julian mcmahon as jonah is in that picture and you really get just a sense of how how creepy things are occurring unaged uh with this little girl Um, When I initially saw it, I could not make out Leslie on the back. I thought it was Carolina. Okay, he's shown up before and he he met Carolina. He was clearly interested in her before. But then I'm like, wait a minute. No, this is not Carolina. He had never met Carolina before. He's been with this woman since she was in eighth grade. At least that's what we have evidence could have could have been far longer than that. Um, so clearly off-putting in terms of the age difference, apart from the fact that he's not aged and she's now obviously a full-grown adult. Last from me, Matt, Victor, dead or alive? And please don't say you're coming with me. <laughs> um, I say alive enough to get to next week's episode that's the minimum uh i mean just the idea that it's not like it's going to be this oh it's a closed casket because we wrapped on the actor um i think that we're going to see i don't even think we're going to see him killed off i mean no it was center body mass where he was shot but that means nothing when you're wielding the 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 pen writing a script you know it can always through (laughs) and through or oh boy i'm glad we got into the hospital in time um Serum. The serum. He's as been well. shot with the serum. Watch the watch the hole close up. Maybe the maybe the bullet will get pushed out by the healing, uh, you know, by, by by the healing wound. Um. Yeah, I think I think we're gonna see. Particularly, I mean, it's James Marsters. Not that not that you or I are people who really, uh, you know, who really bow at the altar of of Buffy, but. Even somebody Speak who hasn't for seen yourself, much, Matt. Uh, well, fair enough. Um, he's he's just such a beloved actor. I don't think it would do well to be like, oh, he's 
killed because he, you know, this is not a good time to kill him off. That's what I'm trying to say. We did run a poll today. Um, Happy Runaways Day, a fantastic geek podcast, uh, episode 107, Refraction, later today. In the meantime, who's your favorite Runaways family? With a note there to reply if your choice is not in the poll because I couldn't include all the families. The choices were the Wilders, the Steins, the Minorus, the Yorkses, and we did get some other replies, Matt. So winning the poll... Uh, with 50% of the vote were the Yorks's, I know, your first family of the Runaways. Yes, I really, I really enjoy them. I dig their aesthetic. Uh, I, I ship them, which is good because the show ships them too. And hopefully there's no, there's no trouble. Um, Matt, are they your OTP? Um... I don't know what that means. I guess oh, well, not... allow me to explain. Uh, OTP, of course, our listeners will know, stands for One True Pair. Hmm. Uh, yes, they are my OTP. Absolutely. Okay. So you're saying you're down with OTP? Yeah, you know me. Nice. Uh, so 50% of the vote there for the Yorks the Minorus, Matt. 29%, particularly given what goes on in this episode, I find, at the very least, interesting. The Wilders, 14%. The Steins, 7 That might have gone down a little bit as people watch this episode. And then, of course, we had uh, Marvel Runaways fans. That's at Runaways underscore fans, who said he likes Jonah and Leslie, and then he voted for the Deans as well. So some other votes certainly showing up in the mix there. But let's be honest. So the, the Yorks are everybody's OTP. It, uh, the, the poll results speak to how, um, I don't know, speak to how these characters really have connected with the audience, even if they've done bad things. You know, I think that we're able to, we're able to separate fiction from how we enjoy the characters. It's suspended in, in, time whatever it might be and i know i've said it before but i think the very great job that this writer's room has done in humanizing these parents and never pushing them to a place where we're like these are terrible terrible people um that the kids can't question whether their course of action is the right thing you know we've seen chase and nico and molly uh, a number of them all wonder whether they're doing the right thing. Carolina, um, only at other times to be certain in their resolve that they need to send their folks to jail. So it really has been well done in terms of that dynamic. It's it's a great dynamic for the show. It's one where it's one where there really is just a. I don't know, there's a great back and forth between all the characters, which reminds me, Pete, of the connection we have with our patrons on patreon.com slash fantastic geek. We're all one big family making this thing go. Even better, Matt, the Patreon has since uh, gotten its collective head out of its bum and scrapped the odd new payment structure it was going to to make fans of creators pay essentially a tax 
to give to their favorite creators. So we are over the moon that uh, we are listener supported and we make every decision with you in mind. And those that are so gracious in checking out patreon.com slash fantastic geek and contributing will we reward you with exclusive content and then there are all sorts of perks from there that you get to decide and we will even matt if people have perks in mind entertain that absolutely pete and we appreciate so much the fact that we are listener supported particularly this time of year when some of the bills come home to roost it is always a great gift year round to uh, to have that help and pete the greatest gift though well maybe this time of year maybe it's the second greatest gift is being able to talk to you on twitter how can people do so you can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 9,724 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast anytime you like. Visit FantasticGeek.com, email FantasticGeek at gmail.com. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram where we are FantasticGeek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with a PH, all one word. Like it today. I got to say, Matt, Facebook is the place to be right now with Fantastic Geek. Uh, I'm actually going to appear a little later tonight on a Facebook Live show, and we've picked up a bunch of followers, so you're going to want to be part of that group. And if you're not on Facebook, why are you one of the few billion people who hasn't made that plunge yet? <laughs> Well, I'm one of them, Pete. I say Twitter's okay, just fine. But I suppose I'll have to figure out a way to see you on Facebook Live. But that's a discussion for another day. Indeed, Pete, I will now say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Those Brentwood dads. Almost had a heart attack that day. Come to find out the girl was a 12-year-old runaway. I was arrested. The car was impounded. There was no way for me to avoid being grounded. Had to come off a vacation to get me. I'd rather be in jail than to have my father hit me. My parents walked through and I got my grip. I said, uh, mom, dad, how was your trip? They didn't speak. I said, I want to plead my case. But my father just shoved me in the car by my face. That was a hard ride home. I don't know how I survived it. They took turns. One would beat me while the other one was driving. I can't believe it. I just made it.